Well, good morning, church. I, I do believe that this is a defining moment of, of the American church. And on, on Thursday, I shared on the encouragement at 8 uh, my thoughts about Jesus breaking down racial barriers. I encourage you to go there on our Facebook page or my Facebook page or my Instagram uh, account, and you can see my full thoughts, uh, full thoughts there. But what has happened with Ahmaud Aubrey and with George Floyd is absolutely heartbreaking, and it continue. It's just a continuation of events and instances that have happened uh, over the years in our country of racism. And racism is 100% a false gospel. It says we're going to exclude people. We're going to cause people pain so that we can find some type of comfort or some type of place where we feel like we can be at home. The only way that that can truly happen is through Jesus. The only way that we can truly find community, that we can truly find hope, that we can truly find joy is in Jesus. And so don't fall for the false gospels. Be the church. Be the light. Look for opportunities to bridge the gap. There are so many people that are hurting right now. And it's our job as the church that knows true joy, that knows true hope to be able to bridge those gaps, to be able to reach out in community, reach out in relationship with the people that maybe we wouldn't normally do. Let's do that for the sake of Christ and let's run to him in prayer. If you're spending time uh, this, this week looking at the news and you're feeling heartbroken, I believe all of us should be drawn to our knees. We need to be praying like crazy that God will work in the midst of this. I think of the prophet Jeremiah, the, the lamenting prophet that his heart was so broken for the people that they would return to God. Uh, I pray that we would do that as a church, that we will remember how faithful and how awesome our God is, that even in the midst of chaos, he's still on his throne. So won't you pray with me as we pray through the Lord's Prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, Lord, you are our Father. You care for us. You delight in us, and you are in heaven. You are all-powerful and almighty. Hallowed be your name. Lord, I pray your name would be honored in St. Augustine. I pray your, be on, your name would be honored in World Golf Village, that your name would be honored in Florida, in the United States, and around the world, Lord. You are the only hope. The only way that these barriers can be broken down is through you, Lord. Help us to run to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, we do our own will all the time. We run our own way all the time. We run from you. We create our own gospels of, of racism and pride. Lord, help us to run towards you, the one true hope. Your will be done on earth as it is, as, as it is in heaven. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see heaven be brought to earth, Lord. So I pray you would work in and through us. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Each and every one of us are capable of unbelievable evil because of the sin that's in our hearts. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. There's so many temptations around us. God, help us to stand up against those temptations and deliver us from the evil one. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
I want you to look at these promises this morning. We're talking about a powerful promise as we continue through Genesis, uh, and we're going into Genesis uh, chapter, fifth, uh, chapter 15 this morning. Listen to these promises, and listen, there are hundreds of promises in Scripture, but just, here's a few of them. This is in uh, starting in Isaiah chapter 40. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 43, one of my favorite passages, says, As you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Deuteronomy 31 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Joshua 1 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Promise after promise after promise, and you'll notice in all the promises of the Bible, it's always God working and moving. It's an unconditional promise to us. The definition of promise is a declaration of assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. And that's exactly what happens with God's promises. We can count on his faithfulness. We know that he's in charge and we see this powerful promise that happens with Abram and we can apply it to our lives because we see all through scripture, Jesus, God, working in his ways, working for his glory with him being the one that keeps the promise. And that's why the point this morning is salvation is not a partnership. And I'm going to tell you why that's such great news as we go through these scriptures here this morning. But we believe that a person is saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that is so vital for us to hear as a church. And I think if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know it. You know it, but sometimes it doesn't actually reach our heart. That sometimes we believe that if we do something, then God will love us more. And if we don't do something, then God will love us less. But as you see in this scripture this morning, that salvation is, is not a partnership. In fact, in Ephesians 2 that we're going to read uh, a little bit later on, I just want to read a por portion of it right now. This is... Uh, 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And what we're looking at this morning is that Ephesians text of 2, 8, and 9 in the Old Testament. The grace of Jesus in the Old Testament. I've been telling you uh, for years now that the story of the Bible is one story of salvation, one story of God's promises. And that's exactly what it is. The Westminster um, Shorter Catechism says this in question number 33. It says, what is justification? And the answer is justification is an act of God's free grace in which he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight for the sake of the righteousness of Christ alone, 
which is credited to us and received by faith alone. That is so vital for each and every one of us. Because many of us will see some of the things on the news and we think, man, what evil is, is happening? But the reality is, is that I'm capable of all that evil and, and you are too. Because we have sin in our life and we cannot save ourselves. And so Abram sees that in this passage. And just to remind you about where we've been, Abram went to Egypt and one of the heroes of our faith lied about his wife and said his wife was his sister and his, his wife was brought into the, the harem of, of Pharaoh. And then after that, uh, he leaves Egypt, repents of the ways that he's gone wrong. And Abram and, and Lot have this test of prosperity and they see all this land that they're that they're taking over but there's not enough room for all of them and so they decide to go their own ways and Abram passes the test of prosperity and Lot fails that test and because he fails that test one bad decision leads to another bad decision and then Abram has to go and rescue Lot as these kings are battling each other and he rescues Lot and now Abram sees this powerful promise in Genesis chapter 15 and that's where we pick up the story here this morning if you have your Bibles you can turn there uh, if not you can look up on the screen so after all this, after all those battles and after a lot uh, being rescued, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming to your own body, coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he, then he said to, to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He also said to them, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Uar, the, uh, of the Chaldeans, to give you this land and to take possession of it. But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these, cut the two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the country not of their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward you will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your father in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for, of this, uh, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants, I give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, from the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Camonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites and the Jebusites. 
There is a lot going on there, and there's a couple of really key verses that I want to talk about this morning that I think really apply to our life and how we can see God's powerful promise come true in our lives also. See, at the very beginning, it's really interesting, all the stuff that has happened with Abram, it's, it's, it's interesting that it says, do not be afraid, Abram. You think all the ways that God has showed him that he's faithful, that he wouldn't be afraid. But Abram's a human just like we are, and we need reminders of God's goodness. And Abram didn't have a Bible like we have. We couldn't just go to, to the Bible and let the Lord speak to us through the Bible. So the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. He said, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. Remember last week when we looked at these kings, the kings of Sodom tried to give Abram a reward. And he denied that reward. And then Melchizedek gave him a reward, and he took that reward because Melchizedek was a, a king that was of the, the holy priesthood uh, of Jesus, and um, the king of Sodom was not. And so Abram knew the reward that he was having from, from God, but it's a whole different thing when God says it himself. He says, I'm your very great reward. And Abram says, oh, sovereign Lord, but what can you give me since I remain childless? And that's a pretty bold question to ask, right? Asking God, well, what, what are you going to give me? I mean, what is my great reward? I can't even have children, and, and what, what's going to happen here? And, and he tells them, no, you're, you're going to have children. Look up the heavens and count the stars. My, my family and I have been looking at the Starlink satellite that Elon Musk has been sending up. There's 180 satellites up there, and he's planning on having 10,000 satellites to be circling the globe. And about every seven or eight days, you can see the satellites going by. And as you're looking up, and you see all of the stars. I mean, what an amazing promise that God gave Abram. And in verse 6, this is such a key verse for our faith and in Scripture about salvation not being a partnership. Abram believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. You see, Abram didn't do anything besides believe. And if you look at the Hebrew word, that word believe actually means a, a holistic belief. Not just in that moment, but over his whole life, trusting in God for all the characteristics that God has. He believed him and God credited it to him as righteousness. Abram didn't do anything else besides put his faith in the Lord. And then this covenant happens. And if you're reading through this, maybe you read through this before, and you're like, what is going on here? There's this promise, and then there's all these animals be cutting in, in two. And, and what is up with all that? Well, in today's world, we have a contract for things. If you purchase a, a new home, there's a contract that goes with that. If uh, you enter into a, a marriage, there's a, there's a contract that goes with that. Uh, there's a covenant that happens. In those days, the covenant that happened was much more powerful than just signing your name on a document. What they would do is they would take animals, they would cut them into two, and they would line up the, the, the pieces, and there would be an aisle between them. And what they would do is each party would walk down that aisle. And basically what they were saying is that, they would, that if they didn't fulfill their end of the bargain, their part of the contract, then let what happened to those animals happen to them. That's a pretty powerful contract, right? 
And so each party would walk down and they would say their agreement to the covenant and then uh, they would seal their, their covenant by promising and asking God to rip them to pieces if they didn't fulfill their covenant. So what happens here is really amazing. What happens here is both parties don't walk in between the pieces. You notice that? What ends up happening is when the sun had set, this is verse 17, and the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. This description of this fire pot is used other places in the Bible to talk about God coming down. It happens at Mount Sinai, and it's the same exact language, and there are a few other places in the Bible, too, where it has the same language about God coming down to earth. The darkness had fallen, the smoking fire pot and the blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. You notice it doesn't say, after he passed between the pieces, Abram passed between the pieces? No. It says that God himself passed between the pieces as a powerful promise to say, I promise you not only that your generations after generations are going to worship the Lord, but in generations after generations, I'm going to be your salvation through Jesus. Remember in Mark chapter 15, verse 33, darkness came over the land uh, many centuries later when Jesus was on the cross. This amazing promise is what we can count on, that salvation is not a partnership, that we can count on his grace and his mercy. This this scripture about Abraham believed the Lord and was credited to him as righteousness is quoted several other places in the Bible. It's quoted in Romans chapter 4, in Galatians chapter 3, in James chapter 2. And each time that it's quoted, it's James or Paul reminding the people that they're not saved by their works. That they're saved by salvation because the Jewish people always wanted to run back to doing works to be saved. And I see that in our own church, in the American church too. We're so driven as Americans to do this, to do this, to do this, to achieve. The harder you work, the more that you gain. But in Christianity, it's not like that. Because we can never work hard enough to overcome our sin. We can never work hard enough to overcome all the ways that there's evil in our lives. And so for all of us, instead of being upset about this, we should rejoice and we should be amazed by grace. That's the action step for this week, is that even in the midst of this turmoil in our country, in our world, where there's lots of confusion, lots of pain, won't you be amazed by grace? One of my heroes, the late theologian R.C. Sproul, says that no one ever asked him when he was alive, how could God love me? No one ever asked him that. In all of his years of ministry, the questions that he got all the time were, how, is God, how, how could God you know, wipe out those people? Why is there even the world that there's a loving God? But no one ever asked him, how could a loving God love a sinner like me? He says people don't want to sing Amazing Grace. They want to sing something like this. Amazing justice, how cruel and sharp that wounded a saint like me. I'm so darn good, it makes no sense that the tower fell on me. See, we're, we're saved from God, by God, for God. And grace is so good and so amazing. 
It reminds me of this woman who was brokenhearted because her husband left her for another woman, and she told her pastor, she said, if I ever marry again, I'm going to marry the ugliest man on the planet. I'm going to find the ugliest person that I could find so he'll never leave me. And that's exactly what she did. She married this awful-looking guy. And every day that guy woke up, and he said, I cannot believe someone as bad-looking as me is married to this beautiful woman. And that's what grace is like. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. God gives us his grace and mercy. We're not pretty. We're not good. We're undeserving, but God loves us. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, it says God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you amazed by grace? Abram certainly was, and he needed that grace, and he needed that mercy, and we need it too. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what it says about us. As for you, that's you, that's right, you and I, as for you and you and you and you and you and all you watching online, this is you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are nature, by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, that even when we're dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. Twice in five verses it says that you are dead. What can a dead person do? Nothing. Can't do anything. That's why we desperately need Jesus. If you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're dead. You're dead in your sins. And for me, that's the most heartbreaking thing because you're dead for all eternity. Won't you come alive? Come alive in Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ if you've never put your faith in him. If you're watching online, you can write in your comments, write in the comments, amen, that you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can do it right there on your couch. You just say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God, help me, forgive me. Come into my life and be my Lord. If you're here in person and you've never done that before and you'd like to do that, come and see me after the service. You can do it right here in your seats. Tell Jesus that you're a sinner, that you're dead, that you've fallen short. You want to become alive in Christ and make him your Lord and Savior. We're going to sing in a minute the song Amazing Grace because I want us to remember how much we have been saved how much we've been loved, how bad we are, and how desperately we need Jesus. But listen, listen to these lyrics. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Do you, do you think it's sweet? I mean, have you thought about it at all this week? Do you think that amazing grace is sweet? Do you realize how far away from God that you were? You realize, just like Abram, you have no hope without the salvation of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you know that some churches have changed those lyrics because they believe that saying that someone is a wretch is offensive? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. You are wretches. 
And I am too. I am too. Can we rejoice in that? Because when we realize how despicable we are, how bad our sin is, then we can rejoice in how great the gospel is. Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. We believe and it's credited to us as righteousness. I once was lost, but now I'm found. My son, uh, Levi, who's sitting in here, I think, or he was sitting in here a minute ago, um, he once decided it would be funny as we were all walking into the house that he would run into the bushes and hide. And we went into the house and started doing our things and doing all kinds of stuff. And we realized, oh, there's only four of us, not five. Levi! 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 Levi, where are you? Levi, if you don't come out right now, one, two, three. No answer. No answer. No answer. Now you start, your heart starts beating a little faster, right? Where's Levi? And there's a pond near my house, and there's a busy road. And you start looking, looking. It was only about five minutes, but it seemed forever. And once we found him in the bushes, we were unbelievably relieved. When you're lost, when you're far away from God, but then you're found, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. It goes deeper than feelings. It, it, it's a transformation to go from dead to alive. I was blind, but now I see. Imagine if you couldn't see. Imagine if you were blind, but then you could see. How would you react? It's grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Listen, church, we're going through a really difficult time in our world. And it's really easy to be fearful. And I think all of the ways that God has told us all of these verses to not be fearful is not because he wants to condemn us, that because we feel fear, 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 fear feel fear, but what we do is we run to him with our fears and say, take this, relieve this, you're in control. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Though many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. It was grace that brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. Salvation is not a partnership we don't bring anything to the equation. And that's the best news that you could ever hear. The covenant that God made is by him alone. He made that covenant with us because he cares about us, because he loves us, because he knows that we cannot save ourselves. So let's be amazed by grace. Let's think about how awesome the gospel is, that when we trust in him, that we don't have to fear that we don't have to be anxious, but we can trust in his powerful promise. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so unbelievably sorry for not being amazed by grace more. I want to confess that right now to our church. There are many days, many weeks, I don't even think about how good I have it in, in you. Lord, I pray this week that my heart and our heart as a church would be captured by the grace that you've given us. I'm so thankful that you have fulfilled the covenant. 
that it's not up to me, it's not up to my works because I know that I would fail and you know that we would fall short and so that's why you came as a seeking and saving Savior. Lord, I pray that we would run to you this week, that we'd be amazed by you and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. And we are gonna respond